This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's a new way to lead off your Sunday with conversation, unique perspectives, and your thoughts and questions on the Hometown Nine. It's Twins Today. One-two, he struck him out swinging. A fastball at 93 ends Cabrera's at bat and Duffy with a sharp one-two-three eighth inning. I would rather be labeled as someone who can really spin a breaking ball, throw a good fastball without any help. Twins today is driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. Well, I'm 75 now, so that I'll probably hit about 280. <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, it was a great question. I caught you tolling off your pits, didn't I? And I said, yes, sir, you sure did. <laughs> now, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. Good morning, Twins fans. Good to be with you. I'm Derek Wetmore, your host for Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. That Tim Laudner line makes me laugh every single time I think about it. I'm sitting out at Target Field, and I'm the, uh, I guess, the opening leg of this relay we've got running up to Twins and Astros' first pitch at 110 today. The Twins have uh, two games to one lead in this four-game set with the Houston Astros um, between this program, which runs 10 to noon right here on CCO. After that, you're going to get Dave St. Peter joins Inside Twins with Corey Provis. Then it's the Adina Realty pregame lineup card all heading up to first pitch. Twins and Astros, Kenta Maeda versus Lance McCullers. A loaded show today in this two hours that we get to spend together. We'll start with five thoughts. Then we've got a radio revisit with the great Chili Davis joining Dan Gladden this week for Behind the Batting Cage. Uh, Julie Vavrushka, the senior manager of community engagement and events for the Twins. We're getting together to talk about the 1991 30-year reunion uh, that's taking place at Target Field next weekend. So if you're looking for details for that, that's the interview for you. We're also catching up with the newest Twins prospect and an exciting one at that, Austin Martin, who joined A Wichita this week in uh, loud fashion. He had, a, he had a big week. We're going to talk with Austin, one of the key pieces coming back in the Jose Barrios trade. That's all just in the first hour of the show. We're also going to catch up with ESPN's Jessica Mendoza, uh, Matt Gangle, who is going to be directing the Field of Dreams game this week that uh, MLB is putting on in Dyersville, Iowa. And we're going to catch up with a friend of the show, covers the Twins for the Athletic, Dan Hayes, joins the program a little while, uh, in a little while, excuse me. We're going to start, though, with five thoughts. Get you caught up on the week, dive a little deeper on some of the topics that mattered most. And I wondered... Uh, if you could answer this trivia question to yourself, dear listener, since Nelson Cruz was traded away from the Minnesota Twins, do you know who the best hitter is statistically in the lineup? I asked myself that. I thought it would be Jorge Polanco. It is not. Number one. As Jeffers swings and sends one to left center field and deep. Back it goes. Deep it goes. This is a one-run game. 
A two out, two run homer from Jeffers, his second today. Ryan Jeffers with the home run there. Corey Provis with the call. Jeffers uh, had that two homer game. It was a losing effort, but he also had another homer. In this stretch, since Cruz has been traded away from the Twins, Ryan Jeffers is hitting 391 with a 462 on base percentage and slugging a ridiculous 913. It's been an amazing stretch for Jeffers at the plate and the catching tandem for the Twins has been mighty strong. It's a it's a great sign after the bat was looking like it had had fallen off a little bit frankly for Ryan Jeffers earlier this season. Boy, he has surged back uh, with some kind of vengeance at the plate and it's good to see. We can't talk about Twins catchers though without also without also mentioning the other guy. Number 2 Heels towards first, and the pitch delivered, high fly ball, deep left field. Does it have the distance? You bet it does. Three-run home run, Mitch Garver. And the Twins, indeed, will boomerang back in front. It's 4-3 Minnesota. Our catchers are a strength of our team. They're both coming alive in their own way offensively. I mean, Garvin particularly, I mean, he's been raking. I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. Uh, he's been... Uh, on fire since coming off of the IL and the birth of his child has probably only enhanced his, uh, you know, strength and his abilities. Enhancing those already strong abilities. That's Rocco Baldelli talking about his catching tandem, specifically Mitch Garver. Chris Atterbury on the call there of that big shot off Garver's bat. Uh, the catching tandem is starting to strike fear. You know, into the hearts of the opposing pitchers. Once again, this is what we saw in 2019 and uh, less so in 2020, especially as as Garver is concerned. He started to worry as well. Is 2019 a pop-up year for him? Boy, it sure doesn't look like it after the way he's swinging right now uh, with the Twins. That tandem is fourth in the American League this year in terms of offense, and they're first in the AL since July 1st. None too surprising after I just read you Jeffers' numbers. Here's Mitch Garver since he got back from the IL and then a brief stint on the paternity list. Uh, he's only hitting 237, but I ask you, dear listener, to look past his batting average and see that 326 on base and an otherworldly 684 slugging percentage. Five homers for Garver in just more than 40 plate appearances. No surprise that the Twins catchers are helping to power the Twins offense and that line should also include a man who I think most people would have guessed has been the Twins best hitter of late. That's Jorge Polanco. Number three. One two a swing and a blast into right field and deep. This one's back towards the seats and gone. Polanco does it again. A first inning two out home run his 18th. One nothing Twins. Been good. I've been work, working on my on my approach at the play with my hitting coaches, you know. It's been fun. These last months, I feel, I feel really good. Yeah, I suppose it's fun when you're hitting like that and when you're uh, feeling healthy for the first time in a long time. There's some speculation as to whether he's even uh, fully healthy, but with the ankle issues that had been bothering him for, uh, frankly, years, it is starting to look like Jorge Polanco is an offensive force at the plate for the Twins. He's looking currently like he's the, the leading candidate to be the MVP of this team right now. Of course, there's some time to go, so let's see. But Polanco mentioned in that clip there that he is has been feeling better for the past couple of months. So out of curiosity, I went and dug it up. Because remember, he had that bad April. And 
people started to worry about him and it was it was maybe contributed to the twins bad april overall that one of their main stalwarts in the lineup was just not performing to his usual standard since may 1st jorge polanco's hitting 287 with a big 348 on base slugging 519 i wanted to look that up where that ranks in terms of other second basemen in the league yep, that would be third among second basemen in the al sixth overall in baseball the only two al Second base, uh, second baseman better than Polanco, Marcus Semien, Jose Altuve, at least in terms of offensive measures. So your eyes do not deceive you, dear listener. Even though I uh, pumped the tires a little bit of the Twins catching tandem, Jorge Polanco has been a force at the plate for the Twins as well. I don't know if you caught uh, Olympic Mania at all. I'm kind of curious to know how many of our Twins fans listeners would have watched Olympic baseball Um If you would have watched all the games, you would have seen a guy who has a chance to put on a Twins uniform before the year's out. Number four. Called strike three on the corner. This bump, Joe Ryan gets his call right there. USA up next. Joe Ryan pitched for Team USA in the Olympics. Team USA takes home the silver medal. As it happens, Japan wins the gold, a host country. Uh, hoists the trophy, uh, beat the United States in that final game. But Joe Ryan was the focus of this one. He and teammate Simeon Woods Richardson um, both traded to the Twins during their time in Tokyo together on Team USA. Ryan was one of the leading forces of that uh, U.S. pitching staff. Ten and a third innings, one seven four ERA, eight strikeouts to one walk, and opponents in the tournament hit two thirty one off Joe Ryan. He was in AAA with the Rays organization when he came over in the Nelson Cruz trade, so expect that uh, once he gets back stateside after the uh, baseball tournament has concluded here to report to AAA St. Paul. But of course, once you're in that uh, St. Paul pitching staff, you are the proverbial one call away from the Twins. Joe Ryan, uh, a bit of an Olympic standout for Team USA in a short stretch here. We'll see what happens once he joins the Twins organization. And speaking of joining the Twins organization, what a week for Austin Martin. Number five. And the one-two delivery from Irwin, and it's going to be a line drive right field. Ball game over. Austin Martin, welcome to Wichita. Walk off. Surge, win it. What a great call there from our friend. Friend of the show, Tim Grubbs, voice of the Wichita win surge. Grubbs calling an exciting moment for Austin Martin who joined the Twins organization in the Jose Barrios trade from Toronto. Five games this week on base 11 times, six RBIs including the walk-off winner there and a stolen base. Um, Not a bad debut. Austin Martin in his short stretch here with the win surge hitting 313. The 542 on base. He's on base more than half the time folks. It's incredible. And that is in keeping with his double-A line with double-A New Hampshire in the Blue Jays organization, 424 on base percentage there. As a matter of fact, we are going to have the privilege of talking with Austin Martin later on in the program. So if you want to hear what makes the newest Twins prospect tick, stick around. We're going to get that one at the bottom of this hour. Um, That's it for Five Thoughts. There is more coming this hour here on Twins Today. And for more from Five Thoughts... Just follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter at Derek Wetmore or Facebook.com slash Derek Wetmore MLB. You can follow me there for all of the latest. When we come back, we are going to be talking with 
uh, or we're going to hear a radio revisit, rather, in a conversation between Dan Gladden and the great Chili Davis, and then we're going to hear more details of the 1991 reunion, 30 years celebrated next weekend at Target Field. You're not going to want to miss that. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Twins Today on News Talk 830-WCCO. All right, welcome back, Twins fans. This is Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group. More than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. I'm sitting at Target Field, and I am here to get you set for Twins and Astros. First pitch coming up later at 110. Between now and then, we've got Inside Twins with Dave St. Peter and Corey Provis and the Adana Realty pregame lineup card all leading up to that 110 first pitch in Houston. This portion of the show, we just heard five thoughts, five thoughts catching up on the week and diving a little deeper on some of the Twins topics that matter most. This is a fun one. It's a radio revisit, conversation in Behind the Batting Cage with Dan Gladden and the great Chili Davis talking about the 1991 reunion that's coming up next weekend at Target Field. Here it is. It's behind the batting cage segment, and Chili Davis, former Minnesota Twin, world champion Minnesota Twin. Chili Davis, join us. And, and Chili, the reunion is coming up right around the corner. What are some of the memories that you recall from that 91 season? Well, I remember that win streak. You know why I remember that win streak? Because I remember Texas winning like 12 or 14 games. They were the hottest team in, in the game at that time. And I remember Scott Erickson was the hottest pitcher in the game at the time. Scotty was dealing. Scotty was like, I don't know what his record was. And I remember us going into Texas with a maybe a 500 or a little sub 500 record or whatever. And Scotty had the opening game against Texas. I don't know if we played it. I don't know if he had the opening game or he had the second game. I remember sitting in a locker room and some reporter looked at Scotty and asked him, he goes, well, you're the hottest pitcher in the game and you're facing the hottest team in the game what's your plan what do you think will happen tomorrow some crazy question like that and Scotty was being modest you know well you know I'll just go out and do the best I can you know and I looked over at the reporter and go tell him he's gonna stick it up tonight (laughs) you know and the guy wrote it but he you know he he wrote it the next day but Scotty went out and blanked him I think and shut him down and then we took off went into that 15 game win streak or 14 and we lost that game to Baltimore. Uh, what's the guy's name that got the hit? Milligan? Milligan. Randy Milligan. Well, they, they he got the double. He got the double, and they, it was like they won the World Series. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I, yeah, I'm still mad. I was I was mad at Puck because I'm looking over. I go, Puck, you should have caught that ball. You know, but <laughs> it was it well, but uh, still. Some of the other things, uh, that, that was a special season. And then, uh, of course, going into the playoffs, um, we get Candiotti the first game against Toronto. And they had Guzman that was just lights out that year. And he only pitched one game against us. He beat us in the second game. But still, I thought that, uh, you know, going against Toronto was a good up-and-coming up team. Do you remember we were one and something against Toronto? Yeah, one and they 11 beat us or something. All year. Yeah. They beat us all year. And they finished the season – in Minnesota, we started the playoffs against them in Minnesota. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. they finished the year in Minnesota, and then we ended up beating them and going on. And we were we were getting on a plane or a bus or something that year when we found out we had won the division. We were coming home. We were leaving Toronto and going to Chicago, 
and we heard that somebody lost. The A's might have lost. So we got mm-hmm. off the plane on the tarmac, and we opened up some bubbly and took yeah. a few sips, got back on the plane. When we landed in Chicago, our traveling secretary had reserved a conference room for us with food and beverages up there, and we tore that place up. There was like yeah. $2,000 worth of damage. <laughs> you know, we had a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, what I recall about that is that uh, Bedrosian was ripping if you had a pocket or a jacket on Bedrosian would come around and, and rip your pocket, and he oh, took yeah. Stelly's jacket, <laughs> ripped his his jacket, and then Jack Morris walked in, and Jackie was always well-dressed, and he saw what was going on with the food and everybody's clothes being ripped off. He took his suit off and folded his stuff up at the front door, so it, none of it got wrecked. <laughs> so so we, we, we beat Toronto. We come home from, uh, from Toronto from celebrating there. And then uh, we get ready for the Atlanta Braves. What uh, uh, what was so special about the Atlanta Braves, you think? Well, you know, they were a young, up-and-coming team with a really good pitching staff. And, you know, I think everyone picked them to win the World Series. We went out and we were going to play them every game. And they started at home, and uh, we got a few key hits against Glavin. But we beat them two at home. We went to Atlanta. Game three, we had the lead. We had an opportunity to win that ball game, but you know they, they had that kid Mark Lemke at the time. Remember oh, him? He yeah, he killed us. That series. Yeah, he. Killed I mean, us. you couldn't get him out, and um, he had a couple big games, and they swept us in Atlanta. And then we came home, game six, and that was the big game, the big Kirby Puckett day. You know, we talk about the homer he hit to walk off the for the win, but Charlie Lebron. He had a really good game, made a really nice play up against the fence, up against that, that uh, the wall at the dome. Yeah, it was a Kirby Puckett game, you know. But you asked me about things that remind me about that season. I remember how packed that place was with all the, the Homer Hankies. And, yeah. And uh, there was a lot of fan energy there, man. I mean, that place was rocking. And I think that they played a big part in us winning, too, you know, remember the base running blunders with uh, Lonnie Smith and, yes. you know, all the stuff that uh, and, and, happened. And you Gant know? and Herbeck. Gant in first base, yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, a lot of that was fan involvement, you know. And, and, and those were some ball games that both Minnesota and Atlanta, with their tomahawk chop and everything, you know, they were going to let you know they didn't like you if you were not on their team, you know. No so, question. I, I just remember that everybody seemed to have like a banner at the Metrodome. And you know, I think that everybody had their little fan base. You know? I love it. Yeah, it was outstanding. Remember the one? Remember the one on it said Minnesota's chili gives you the run, gives us the runs? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was yeah. my favorite. <laughs> hey, Chaz, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking some time out your day here join us here walking down uh, and just catching up that was a terrific conversation the great chili davis joined dan gladden on behind the batting cage they're walking down memory lane for a reason 30 years ago the twins uh, were world series winners 1991 uh if if you are interested in going down memory lane august 13th 14th and 15th is uh the weekend we look back at Target Field, twinsbaseball.com is where you can learn more about that. Did you know Chili Davis got MVP votes that year? Yeah, he finished uh, 14th in the MVP voting. Other twins, Rick Aguilera, Scott Erickson, as he mentioned there, Jack Morris, 
had MVP votes. Molitor, but he was a brewer at that time, and Kirby Puckett, all getting MVP votes in that magical uh, 1991 season, where, of course, some great memories that last a lifetime were created for for so many people. And just very fun to hear there, uh, Chili Davis and Dan Gladden. Uh, My favorite part, personally, was calling Ron Gantz out at first base a base running error. Yeah, something like that. Uh, we're going to talk with somebody who knows a little bit more about the 1991 reunion scheduled at Target Field next week. We're going to hear from her next as we sit down with Julie Vavrushka, uh, who has helped put together all of this stuff. She's the Senior Manager of Community Engagement and Events for the Minnesota Twins. Julie's conversation next. Uh, And for more details, twinsbaseball.com, or just stick around here and listen to Julie tell it all here on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. All right, welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we've got the great privilege of sitting down now with somebody in the Twins organization. Her name is Julie Vavrushka. She is the Senior Manager of Community Engagement and Events. Julie, first of all, thanks for taking some time for Twins Today. Thanks for having me, Derek. I'm excited to be here. No, we're excited to have you and excited to talk about a number of things, and, and I'll get to them in due time here. But the first is the 1991 30 year anniversary. Last week, we had the Dazzle Man, Dan Gladden, on the program to talk about his genuine excitement, I think, for getting together with all his old buddies. Uh, you have helped spearhead that event. How crazy has it been as you get ready for this mid August date? Man, Derek, it's been a blast um, to be able to connect with some of these guys that I have never worked with and that we haven't seen in, in 10 years and some longer. Um, it's really exciting to have over 25 guys from the 1991 championship team coming back to Minneapolis uh, for the August 14th celebration. Um, I can't believe it's been 30 years, but everyone seems so excited and we're thrilled to be able to do this for these guys and and to plan a really special reunion weekend for them. Yeah, Danny said the same thing. He he was uh, he was excited to see some old buddies, some of them that he keeps in touch with, some of them not so much, um, but he said he couldn't believe 30 years. Actually, I think his quote was 30 years. Oh. Absolutely. I can't believe it's been 30 years either. But yeah, there's a couple of key highlights from the from the um, Saturday pregame. We're going to do a special uh, ceremonial first pitch where Jack Morris delivers uh, the pitch to TK, um, kind of in a backward scenario, because as everyone knows, uh, what happened um, during game seven of the 91 World Series. And then TK will throw um, the um, first pitch to Gene Larkin, who obviously people know came in and, and had an incredible pinch hit during the 1991 World Series. And then uh, for our fans, we'll have a, a variety of different opportunities for them to meet some of these players in person with some player photos, and then uh, to take some photos with the 1991 World Series trophy in uh, Truly on Deck. That's awesome. So TK tried to get the ball in 91. He's finally going to get that baseball from Jack Morris here in 2021, August 13th, 14th, and 15th for Twins fans celebrating that weekend. And twinsbaseball.com is where you can find all the information there. Um, You touched on some of the stuff that happens on the field, and I think people will be excited just to see it and to see the on-field ceremony on Saturday. But let's dig in on some of the other things that you can do around the ballpark. Uh, Danny mentioned last week that you'd get to hear from some speakers. There's some some um, maybe photos and signing session possibities. Julie, where can people find information about that 
Thanks, Derek. We will actually send out a press release um, early next week with all this information. Um, so watch for that. Um, also, there's a signing session at Ridgedale Mall on Saturday, August 14th. I believe it starts around 9.30 a.m. and it goes till noon. So there'll be a, multiple um, guys from this team signing at Ridgedale Mall. Um, and then, like I mentioned, there'll be player photos on both Friday and Saturday uh, for our fans to come out and meet these guys and get a, a quick photo of some of their favorite players from this uh, special time. That's awesome. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this because uh, I think Gladden was being modest in helping recruit some of these players, but I'm also curious about your involvement in that because it's no small task. It's, it's not like these guys are just uh, hanging out down the hall and you go tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, we got an event in mid-August. How do you go about putting something like this together when it involves so many different parties? Yeah, it takes a lot of digging and digging deep to find uh, contact info for some of these guys. And, you know, one of my favorite um, stories from from this uh, event was I, I got in touch with Junior Ortiz by sending snail mail to a P.O. box in Puerto Rico and he got it. And when my phone rang and it showed up as a Puerto Rican phone number, I was like, oh, my gosh, is this you, Junior? We've been trying to find you for years. And that was after I had gone through former GMs and assistant GMs and the MLB Players Association to try and find him. So that was a huge win, and he's coming. So, um, yeah, these guys don't just answer their phones uh, the first time I call, so it takes a little bit of time. But I'm so happy to, to let you know that there's so many coming back. That is terrific. Love to hear it. And, uh, again, TwinsBaseball.com is where you can find all the information for that event uh, in mid-August, 13, 14, 15th. And Julie Vavrushka is our guest. She's the Senior Manager of Community Engagement and Events with the Minnesota Twins, instrumental in putting together this 1991 30-year reunion for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, there are some other events, though, Julie, that we got to get to. What can you tell me about some of the various events on the calendar? Maybe first, just what is on the calendar for, for listeners? Well, as everyone knows, the great Minnesota get-together wraps up on Labor Day. So we'll be out at the State Fair um, in our normal uh, Twins booth with um, all sorts of activities and former player appearances, as well as um, our wiffle ball field. So stop by and see us at the fair through Labor Day. Um, and then we lead into um, a really busy month. So as uh, everyone um, knows about, uh, September 11th, It'll be the 20th anniversary of 9-11, um, Saturday, September 11th. And the Twins will honor and, and pay tribute to um, everything that happened that day and, and the tragedies that occurred. Um, and we'll do a very special ceremony uh, to remember all the lives lost that day. So that'll be on September 11th. And then we'll also have a flyover that day as well. That Sunday is our Armed Forces Appreciation Day, and we partner with Thompson Reuters and the Minnesota National Guard. And really our uh, theme this year, as everyone can imagine, is, is really Minnesotans and the impact that they have made um, this past year. Social justice, COVID, man hours, deployments of Minnesotans, return ceremonies of Minnesotans. Uh, we have uh, Minnesotans in Guantanamo Bay, and in Afghanistan. So it'll be a really special time to honor our service members of the past and uh, of now and, and frankly of the future. So 
Um, I'd be remiss without mentioning that Thompson Reuters donates a thousand tickets for our service men and women. And we have a very, very special partnership with them. If you or a family member is involved in that line, Julie, where can you find more information about that special day, which I know this isn't the first one you guys have done, but for Armed Forces Appreciation Day, the information, um, is that just twinsbaseball.com? Correct. And as we get closer, once we get through some of these other events, um, we'll definitely send out a press release. And I work very closely with the Minnesota National Guard. Um, but of course, always check the website or call 833-TWINS and um, they can direct you with more information. Terrific. That's excellent information. So twinsbaseball.com or 833-TWINS if you want to do it by phone. Uh, Julie, I got to ask you too, because a broadcast colleague, friend of the show, Justin Morneau has a special weekend coming up at Target Field. What can you tell us about his Hall of Fame ceremony upcoming? Yeah, so the culmination of our events um, in September will be on Saturday, September 25th. Um, Justin Morneau will be inducted into the Minnesota Twins Hall of Fame. Um, people all remember that Justin was supposed to go in last year, but uh, with COVID, we pushed it off to 2021. So there are 16 plus Hall of Famers coming back, which is wonderful for Justin Morneau's Hall of Fame ceremony. And then um, Morneau has a boatload of people coming in town, former players and coaches and his scouts and agents and family and friends are all coming um, to honor Justin on that special Saturday. That's really cool. In fact, I heard, tell me if I'm wrong here, Julie, you'd be the one to know. I heard that Justin is bringing more people to his Hall, Hall of Fame induction than anyone previously enshrined in the Twins Hall of Fame. Is that truth or rumor? That is a true statement, Derek. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, part of the coordination has got to be uh, working with the, the player, I suppose, to get all of his people in for that special weekend. Yeah, I've been working with Justin and, and Krista, frankly. Sometimes it's easier to get a hold of uh, these players' wives. But um, yeah, we've, we've had a good time um, trying to plan all these things. And, you know, every day she's like, oh, you know, like I forgot maybe this person or you know, we need to add them and it's, it's been really fun. And, um, you know, just a couple things about that day too, um, two special things. Joe Maurer will speak about his former teammate and, and their friendship um, and growing up together in the Twins organization. And uh, then the ceremonial first pitch will be thrown by all five of Justin's children. So that'll be a really special moment as well for him. Oh, that's great. Wow. That'll be a, a fun weekend in general, but a couple of fun moments to look forward to, to uh, the voice you've been hearing here today on Twins Today, that's Julie Vavrushka. She's the Senior Manager of Community Engagement and Events. And as uh, she alluded, very busy home stretch here for the Minnesota Twins. And uh, Julie is instrumental in getting those things done. So Julie, I uh, know you got a busy schedule. Thank you for carving out some time for Twins Today. Thank you, Derek. Don't go anywhere. More baseball coming up after this on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Okay, welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Maurer Auto Group, More Than Cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and with the distinct pleasure of welcoming to the program newest Twins prospect, he is Austin Martin. Austin, thanks for carving some time for us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Derek. I appreciate it. Hey, the pleasure's all mine. Looking forward to uh, getting to know you, Austin, and also sharing your story with Twins fans. And so for people who don't know, Austin Martin has joined the Twins organization in the Jose Barrios trade. 
originally drafted by the Blue Jays, a shortstop center fielder. He does a little bit of everything, and he's a Vanderbilt guy. Do you have any teammates, friends that you keep in touch with from your time at Vandy? Yeah, a lot. Pretty much my whole team, if I'm being honest. I mean, I made within my two and a half or so years there, I've made a lot of lifelong friends, man. We keep in contact. So you guys, 2019 College World Series national champion Vanderbilt and Austin was a part of that team. I imagine that kind of run together really deepened some of those bonds. Oh, without a doubt. But I mean, it really starts before that. It really starts in the fall. I, I think the bonds really grow as, you know, throughout like our, our practices and all of our fall like conditioning. I think that's really where, where the bonds grow because when you go through for some days when you go through hell like that together, it's just, uh, it's just like the shared experiences that we went through in the fall is really what makes the group so you know tight knit. Yeah, I love that. That's that's great. If there are names, I, we'd love to hear it. Twins fans just getting to know you, Austin. I mean, you would have been teammates with Jack Leiter, Kamar Rocker, tons of other guys from that Vandy program in your couple of years there drafted. Uh, who are some of the guys that you are close with today? God, this is, it's a lot. Um, of course, I still keep in contact with Leiter and Rocker. Me and Rocker talk pretty regularly. Uh, JJ Bidet, Harrison Ray, Julian Infante, Drake Fellows. I can, I, I, can, I can name off a whole bunch of guys. Tyler Brown. I mean, like I said, it's, it, it's a family, very family-oriented program. And so once we leave, like, nothing changes. We're still, you know, rooting for each other, keeping up with each other's careers. Yeah, fascinating insight. I was going through just the names of guys drafted out of Vanderbilt just in the last couple of years. I mean, forget about guys going back to to David Price and uh, Mike Yastrzemski, uh, Sonny Gray. I mean, it's it's a long list of guys drafted in top rounds recently. So that leads me to my question. Tim Corbin, head coach at, at Vanderbilt for a long time now, of course, a couple of national titles to his name. What did Tim do for your career, Austin? He helped me build my mental more than anything. Um, of course, there was, you know, the physical skills that he helped me build. But I think the the biggest thing that I took away from, you know, being able to play under uh, Corbin was just all he does is preach mental. And, and it's it's so important. It's so overlooked because, I mean, that's that's baseball, in my opinion. I mean, baseball is 90 percent mental, 10 percent skill at the end of the day. So. No, I think that that was really the biggest part. I think, you know, at my time at uh, Vanderbilt just helped me mature a lot. It's a super important skill. And you hear it from guys as they're climbing the ladder, even guys in the big leagues, overcoming things that, you know, hey, you're going to have hurdles on your path. Can you shed some light on on this, Austin? For Twins fans listening, just getting to know you. And if you're just joining us, listeners, Austin Martin is our guest, top prospect in the Twins organization, newest Twins prospect Austin there's there's always a moment or several moments for players where they faced some adversity is there anything from your college days that you can recall that you think um, boy that was a challenge and I'm glad that I was uh, mature enough to meet that obstacle head-on Jeez, I'd say as soon as I stepped on campus I didn't really hit the ground running you know if you know what I mean because I was so late to sign, you know what I mean? I was the last person in my class assigned because I was committed to another school for so long. Most of the guys in my class had the opportunity to, you know, sign with like some sort of summer ball team and play some summer ball before they showed up on campus. I didn't have that opportunity, like I said, because I was so late. So, I mean, I was just at home 
doing what I could. And then I had to go up, go to Vandy and start competing with these, with these guys that are kind of already in, in game shape. So I remember like, you know, the first couple of weeks, fielding ground balls did not look the best. I don't think I hit a baseball out of the infield. It was different for me and it was, and it was a struggle, but it was humbling at the same time because I knew that, you know, there was a lot of work that needed to be done if I wanted to play here. Austin, I, I should ask you too, before we move off of Andy, because I know that's a big part of your upbringing as probably as a person, but no doubt as a baseball player, Xander Wiles in the Twins organization. He's with AAA St. Paul right now, a couple years ahead of you. So I don't know if there's any connection there. Have you had a chance to uh, connect at all with Xander? Yeah, I mean, I worked out with Xander this entire offseason. Yeah, really? I was, yeah, I saw him almost every day. So, yeah, definitely a connection there. I've, I've known him since I've been on campus. Um, he used to come up. A lot of the uh, a lot of the older guys, the guys that, you know, moved on to play, play professional baseball now, they always come back in the fall and work out and train and help out the team. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've been familiar with Xander for a few years now. It's great. Any advice that he gave you? Uh, I, I know he's only a couple of years ahead of you on the journey, but did he have anything to share with you? No, I mean, we just, we would just chat. I mean, it wasn't really didn't talk about baseball that much. You know what I mean? But um, I mean, whenever I got the trade, he texted me, welcomed me to the org. But yeah, that, that's, that was pretty much it. Great. Well, Austin Martin is our guest. He's a prospect currently with the AA Wichita Wind Surge. And uh, he's tearing it up in his start in the Twins organization. Let's do a, Austin, if you're comfortable with this, I want to do a get to know you that we can share with Twins fans. You're listed as a shortstop center fielder. I talked to some people with the Twins. That's the plan, at least for now, going forward is playing yet a couple different spots and and evaluate. But tell me, because I haven't heard this from you, what's your favorite position on the diamond? Uh, I honestly don't care. I just want to be in the lineup. I just want to play ball, man. It doesn't really matter to me. I mean, short is fun. Center field's fun. Baseball's fun. <laughs> like, yeah, I've, I've 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 been asked that question a lot, and I've never really had a preference. It's a great attitude. <laughs> I'm I might make that the title of the show for this week. Baseball is fun. It's a, it's great perspective to have, especially when you're you're grinding in the minor leagues. Right. So play a couple of different spots. The athleticism is something that gets pointed out by by scouts a lot. Offensively. Bats of ball skills and uh, sort of spray the ball to all fields on base guy. Where's your favorite spot to hit in the order? Just anywhere in the top of the order, uh, one or two. Okay. Um, yeah, like like you said, I mean, my my job is to, you know, drive the baseball and get on base. And I think that the top of the order that I'm able to do that and allow guys to just drive me in. I heard from a scout that you are the kind of guy who uh, likes to go to, to right field, center field, and left field in batting practice just to sort of, I don't know, warm up, get ready for your day. Where was that instilled in you, Austin? Was that at Vandy or is that maybe going back to high school days in Florida? I mean, uh, I did it in high school, right? But I, there wasn't any intent behind it. Um, I didn't know why I was doing it. Um, so I think that that routine was more refined in college because – I, f- I found purpose behind why I was doing, you know, why I was doing those. And it's really, for me, just just barrel control, just being able to put the ball wherever you want to put it. For Twins fans who don't study minor league stats pages, I'll read them off for you. Not to embarrass you or anything, Austin, 288 average with a 438 on base, a 390 slug. That's uh, fresh out of college. 
and then jumping right into double A. So the on-base skill is a big thing that people talk about with you, Austin. Is there somebody that you model your game off of in that regard? Uh, some, somebody you've watched or tried to learn from? No, I mean, growing up, I used to watch Derek Jeter a lot, but I, at the same time, I wouldn't say I model my game after him, or honestly, I wouldn't say I model my game after anybody. I, mean, I just try to be myself. That's really all I worry about is just trying to be myself and just trying to build on that. I'm reading scouting reports. When people talk about the negatives, really only one thing comes up. They say, this guy's already got great bat to ball. He gets on base. People are wondering if there's going to be more power in the future. And I know I've talked with people with the twins who believe that is there in you. Firsthand scouting report, if you don't mind, uh, why in your short time in the minors have you not hit for more power? Because that's, for me personally, I'm not a, I'm not a home run hitter. Uh, I'm a hitter first that can hit home runs. So at the same time, like I, I get up to the plate, I have a job to do and I try to do my job. Yeah, like I said, I didn't get paid to hit home runs, but at the same time, I know that it's going to happen. You know, as long as you put the uh, the ball in the barrel, the barrel to the ball, the ball's going to fly, and especially with these with these big league cue balls. The balls fly, man. So right now I'm just working about barreling balls to the gaps. And, you know, like I said, eventually, you know, the older I get, the more mature I get, the stronger I get, the ball's going to go farther. So that's been the least of my worries since this season has begun. Yeah, I know people in the Twins organization share that belief. It was one of the reasons they were excited about uh, that. I, I personally was a little surprised you're available at the trade deadline, but the Twins, of course, excited to have you for that very reason. Uh, you mentioned cue ball, so I have to ask you, do you guys use that in double A or is it a different baseball? No, 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 no. You don't use, I guess, I would, big league baseballs until triple A, triple A okay. up. So yeah, right now the ball that we use is different. And different how? Does it, does it not carry as much? What's the, because this is a big conversation around baseball the last two years. I mean, so the best way I can explain it was like, before I went to the uh, Futures game in Colorado, but I remember, like, as soon as I got on the course field and we were playing catch, I picked up the baseball and threw, and I swore I threw a lacrosse ball. It's just the size of it's different. The way it comes off the bat's different. It's, it's definitely a different baseball for sure. How was your Futures game experience? Because uh, there are a lot of prospects in baseball. A lot of people climbing the minor league ladder with uh, big league aspirations and an elite competition like that what was your experience just like the week in in denver it was awesome man. i mean it was a, it was more than i could have expected uh, like you said just being around you know top talent like that top tier guys like that guys that you're gonna be playing against in the future it was great man it was great just getting to watch them work getting to talk to them getting to know them and like that whole entire experience just being able to play that game in front of all those fans was it was cool man our guest right now is Austin Martin. He's a prospect in the Twins organization, currently playing for Double A Wichita, off to a hot start in the Twins organization since coming in the Jose Barrios trade. Um, Austin, two more for you, and then we'll let you get back to your busy week of uh, preparing for minor league games with a new organization and that whole whirlwind that it entails. I want to know uh, the other guy that came over in the trade from the Blue Jays organization is a young guy, Simeon Woods Richardson, completed the Olympic tournament. I've heard you talk about him in interviews before you're familiar with him and sort of his presence on the mound for twins fans who haven't had a chance yet to see this young guy pitch. What is he going to add to the twins organization? A lot of excitement and energy. That kid's got a lot of heart, man. He plays hard. He's a guy when he's on the mound, you, you just want to play defense behind, you know what I mean? The high energy, 
he attacks the game, and I, I think Twins fans should be extremely excited to have him. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, adding some pitching depth and another guy that the Twins were very excited to get to get in a trade. You obviously you don't give up a guy like Jose Barrios without some some great talent coming back. And Austin, you're a part of that as well. So I want to go back. We talked about uh, minor league ball in your first season in the pros. You talked about your Vandy days, but baseball goes before that for you. To share with Twins fans to wrap up here, do you have an earliest baseball memory or just tell us about when you first got involved in the game that's now uh, your profession day-to-day? So, uh, I mean, per what my parents say, because I started baseball really young. Like, when I was younger, I always played up. I think when I was 18 months, they said I was in the house with a little stick and a little ball, and I was tossing it up and hitting it. And they were like, wow, like, this kid's got some good hand-eye coordination. So, I mean, as you would assume what comes next, they put me in soccer. So I played soccer for a little bit. And then I ended up, I think they eventually picked on, I ended up playing t-ball at like four years old. And then I kind of got kicked out of that league and told to go play up. So I was like four four or five years old playing with six and seven-year-olds. That's probably where it all started, but it's it's been a hell of a journey, man. There's been a lot of ups, there's been a lot of downs, but I'm grateful for it all. That's where the journey all began, and shout out to your parents for eventually making the right decision for getting you in baseball. <laughs> right. How many broken windows do you have as a kid? I think I limited my total to just one. Uh, me and my dad broke, I think we broke one, because we would, we would go in the backyard when I was younger, and he would just throw BP to me, and I no fences, no cage. Like we were, I don't know. We were, we were savages. We were just hitting baseball and I fouled one off and it like went back and broke the window. My mom wasn't too happy about it, but that's only one, only one. So it's not too bad. There you go. And now you got a pro contract. You can uh, fix that window for them and thank, right. thank them for, <laughs> for the journey. Austin Martin has been our guest here on twins today. Austin, great to uh, get to meet you and we wish you continued success going forward. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on. You got it. That's the voice of Austin Martin. Twins fans get to know him with AA Wichita Wind Surge. More Twins baseball coming up next here on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars. Once again, live from Target Field, here is Derek Wetmore. All right, welcome back, Twins fans. Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group. More than cars, I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, getting you all set for Twins and Astros. First pitch coming up a little later right here at 110. For now on the program, Twins Today, we are delighted to be joined by uh, Jessica Mendoza for ESPN, who has just recently gotten back from the Tokyo Olympics. We'll be doing the ESPN game tomorrow. Twins and White Sox, Jessica, whirlwind time. Thanks for making some time for Twins Today. Oh, absolutely. I mean, nothing like getting back in the saddle, like getting back (laughs) from Tokyo. But I mean, I'm on the high of the Olympic Games and Japan and everything that was there and experiencing um, just so many different things, being able to call USA softball and USA baseball games. And then now coming back in Major League Baseball, and then I'll be off to Little League World Series. So here we go. (laughs) It's a quick turnaround for you. Uh, Are you feeling a little jet lag after the flights? Yeah. So, I mean, anyone I think who's traveled, when you go east, so like coming back from Japan is always harder, same as going to Europe versus coming back. Um, So I've been up at like three in the morning, ready to go. And then 
like one in the afternoon, I'm like ready, like middle of the night type thing. It's a 16 hour time difference for me out here on the West Coast. Um, but at the same time, it's it's one of those things that, I mean, I, what, what else are you gonna do? I mean, I wouldn't wanna change being able to go there in the middle of the season. A lot of people thought I was nuts, you know, trying to kind of cram it in there. Um, but at the same time, like being an Olympian, um, having experienced the Olympic games to be on the other side, this was my first time doing a summer Olympics on the media side. And it was unbelievable. Um, I was emotional the entire time. I mean, just hearing all the news clips about the gymnastics team and just the excitement. It's, it's such, it's the best sporting event in the world by far. Yep. It's fascinating. Uh, Jessica Mendoza is the voice you're hearing. Twins fans called USA Baseball, USA Softball. And uh, you can follow her on Twitter, at Jess Mendoza. I'm not sure if all of our listeners would know this, but you just touched on it briefly. Got your start as an Olympian, uh, and now this is the first time doing the media side of things. So when somebody mentions Olympics or is talking about it, is there is there a moment or a memory that comes rushing back to you when you think about that time? Um, tons actually, but I mean, number one, you know, it's winning gold and as cliche as it is, you know, having the national anthem and, you know, you work hard your entire life I and mean, you're talking decades dedicated to, um, and not just that moment, obviously it's the entire journey, but when you're standing on a podium and for me, um, we won gold in Athens. So I'm a history nerd. So the fact that it brought it all back to the original Olympic games, the first time the Olympics were in the origin of the Olympic games. And when we had the, the olive wreath around our head and the gold medal put around our neck. So it was a really just a special moment. Um, and then to be able to see those experiencing it on this end of it, it, it brought back a ton. I mean, to be honest, 10,000 athletes, more nations represented than the United Nations. That is actually like just walking around Tokyo and seeing people from all over the world, but just like kind of high-fiving, how you doing? Like what's going on? Um, being able to just talk in, in a place where sport kind of forgets all of the, the stuff that's happening in the world, the negativity, you're able to kind of just bond with people regardless of your backgrounds, regardless of where you stand on things. And it's a beautiful thing, especially I think now to have that dropped in to, to this time. Yeah. Well, those are some special softball teams, um, some lifelong memories, it sounds like for you. So that's really fun. Now full circle on the media side of things, calling USA baseball, which that team USA had a couple of future twins, Joe Ryan pitched in the games and then Simeon Woods Richardson didn't quite get in. And so I'm, I'm delighted to be talking today, Jessica, about uh, not only that experience, but you mentioned jumping right back in the saddle. Hey, you're doing this radio today. But uh, tomorrow for ESPN, you've got the call, Twins and White Sox. Uh, Twins haven't named their starter yet. But anyway, you're doing that broadcast with Dave Fleming. Um, the Twins as a national storyline. What what happened? I mean, because we live in this Twins bubble, right, in the Twin Cities. So we've been talking about this all year. From your perspective, um, how surprising is it to see the Twins aren't in this supposed great race with the White Sox this year. Yeah, I mean, it is surprising. And I, I think there was a lot of buzz and talk about the White Sox within the division. And I think there is a lot of credit within the, the honestly, the American League and how much better it got um, over the course of like the absent year or <clears throat> two quarters of a year. And I think the Twins, you know, for all that they have and all the good that they are, you know, I just, I think there were, you know, certain players kind of aging, you know, forward. I think like being able to kind of have that perspective of what they're doing right now and retooling and being this young team that now they absolutely 100% yeah. are. 
Um, I think it was always there. I just think the the division got better. I think the the AL got better. I mean, sometimes it's also just scratch your head and like, you know, you still look up and down and guys are underperforming still, you know, and Byron Buxton, you can always, you know, as good as he is, you know, that he's going to be in and out of the lineup with injuries, but I just look and as I'm looking at numbers, I mean, I, I was even like, gosh, like, wow, like how are, I mean, outside of Jorge Polanco in the lineup, I mean, there's just so many underperformers and, you know, Max Kepler, you know, he's better than the numbers are showing and Josh Donaldson, I mean, his OPS is up there, but just, you know, the consistency and Miguel Sano for a while now, I mean, for as good as his defense was the other night against the Astros and you love the energy that he brings. Um, oh my God, he's barely over 200. So I think that to me is, is the biggest thing is underperforming from a lot of really talented players. Yeah. It's uh, the story of the season. I mean, you can point your finger at injuries a little bit, but uh, the fact that the twins thought they were going to be competitive and now, now they're in a position where they, they have to trade away a legend like Nelson Cruz, who, who wasn't here for that long, but was beloved by just about anybody he crossed paths with. And then also having to trade Jose Barrios with a year left of team control. Jessica, they're in this sort of um, moment in twins history where they have to decide uh, this winter, really, they, they, decided partially in July, but this upcoming winter, do we go for it again? Do we take this talented core, some of the names that you just mentioned, and and make another run? Or do we try to make some more moves to take even another step back and really play for the future? This is the perfect time to be asking you this question with the White Sox and Twins do-to-do battle. Um, Given where the White Sox are and the Twins are, do you think that it is possible that the Twins can bounce right back next year and have a strong run? I mean, I think they need to get some more offensive production in this offseason and figure out, especially knowing who they're going to be losing, you know, at for free agency and, and Byron Buxton. And, and I just look at their starting rotation, though, and I get excited about this team. I mean, I spent time, as you mentioned, in Tokyo with Joe Ryan and, you know, talking to a lot of these younger pitchers and looking at, you know, guys like, Bailey over and did I lose you? I still got you, Jessica. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, Bailey over, you've you disappeared on me. So make sure you're still there. Um, you know, I, I get excited about, you know, what they're within the system, within the twins organization. And then, you know, that's the biggest thing you talk about losing Nelson Cruz and how much that hurt, but you think about what you get back. And um, as I was saying, I, I spent some time with Joe Ryan in Tokyo and it was really cool to see him be like, as bummed as he was, like as hard as it is to get traded while you're in another country, you know, playing for your country, he was like, I, I am so excited to be a part of the twins organization. And this is like off the size, off the record, like not, you know, he could just hold me like, Oh man, And he's like, no, everything that I've heard about within the twins organization. And you think about Derek Falvey and what he's created and a lot, especially for pitchers, um, you know, Dr. Jen Reiner Marcello, who's, I know a lot of people don't know her name, but she's part of the reconditioning program that they do with pitchers. It's probably one of the first and few in Major League Baseball. It's a big reason why um, Bailey Ober has had the success that he's had. And so Joe Ryan has heard about these people and what they're doing for pitchers to understand their bodies, not just coach them mechanically from the pitching coach side, but also understand their bodies from the mechanical standpoint. And that is something that the twins are known for right now with all these young pitchers that go to driveline, that follow all these guys on Twitter. They're looking for something different, something that's really gonna be more cutting edge and that's the twins. Hmm. So when I look forward to answer your question, it's the pitching I get excited about. I mean, a lot of these guys 
aren't here yet. And I know that's frustrating for a Twins fan, but they will be. And we're talking the end of the season and definitely for sure next year. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Jessica Mendoza is our guest. She's got the ESPN broadcast tomorrow with Dave Fleming, uh, Twins and White Sox. One more before I let you go, Jessica, and I appreciate you taking the time for Twins today after this uh, crazy turnaround for you, I'm sure. You talked on Joe Ryan. I know you. one of the things I appreciate about you as an analyst is your, your observation, almost a scouting eye in the booth. What can you tell Twins fans about Joe Ryan since you've probably seen him more more recently and more up closely than than many of us if not all of us uh well he's a guy first of all just to touch on his personality he's a bay area guy he surfs he mountain bikes his dad was like one of the founders of mountain biking he was a rock climber he played water polo in fact one of his water polo high school teammates was at the olympics like he's so just like well-rounded which i think is huge for a baseball player that you know you see so many of these guys 12 months of the year this is all they do they grind and they're burnt out by the time they're at this point where they're getting traded and they're like what the heck is happening joe ryan has this easy chill personality that just totally understands where he needs to be his place you know great work ethic so there's that side of things just someone that's really going to be fun for this organization but then as far as like what he brings and he's got an elevated fastball which is all the rave i get it but like he has a great understanding of how to utilize that pitch mm. his forcing at the top of the zone and then the breaking ball off of it i think his best pitch is actually his change up um so he'll go with that elevated fastball with the curveball off of it but then he has this change up that is so deceptive and i know i'm watching him against you know south korea and japan but these these are teams that understand contact they know how to put the ball in play which by the way doesn't happen in major league baseball for those that are watching like contact is at a premium so to have someone that is getting swing and miss on a pitch against countries and teams that really at the core of them understand contact says a lot about joe ryan's changeup. so i think between the elevated fastball mid 90s that change up that he just utilizes so well to both righties and lefties is what you can get excited about well that is fascinating insight uh from a, from a scout's eye in the booth uh jessica mendoza has been our guest here on twins today and catch her on the espn broadcast tomorrow twins and white Sox. jessica thank you for uh, taking some time and for giving us a great firsthand scattering report there Andrew, absolutely. I was I was scouting them out for all the Twins fans. That's what I was doing. <laughs> we got to see what you guys are getting. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, good luck on the broadcast. We'll be watching for you. All right. Thank you. Take care. Uh, that, the voice of Jessica Mendoza, ESPN, and uh, recently called games for USA Softball and Team USA Baseball in Tokyo, Japan. Um, that is uh, That was one of the exciting guests we have for this. We've also got a fun look behind the broadcast for the uh, Field of Dreams game coming up in Dyersville, Iowa. That's coming up after the break with the TV director Matt Gangle of Fox and Bally Sports North. But first, Twins Today, of course, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. And as we do every week on the program, it's now time to catch up with Jeremy from the Mauer Auto Group. Jeremy, how's it going today? Today's going great. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for asking. And the last time you and I were talking, Made a little note in my notebook because we were talking about Chevy Bolts just at the end of our conversation. And I could tell you were excited to talk about these, Jeremy. So let's get back to that today. What do we need to know about the Bolts at the Mauer Auto Group? Well, the Bolts are coming. They're coming fast and furious. As a matter of fact, I'm driving one right now. I absolutely love them. Um, It's an amazing vehicle. You have to come if you don't. If you aren't even interested in electric vehicles yet, because it's going to come, trust me on this, come, just come and drive one. We've got 
a ton of them at the store. The Invergrove Heights location has a ton of them also. We have the Bolt, we have the new, brand new this year, the Bolt EUV, which is a little bigger version of it. But we have them, you can drive them, you can buy them, you can lease them, you can do whatever you want, but they're, they're pretty neat stuff and we have a lot of them. You shared with me last week, you're a gearhead. And I'm surprised to hear now that you're in a Chevy Bolt. Well, it's, I'll tell you, a lot of the gearheads, there's even, if you follow the drag racing circuit, there are now electric drag racing cars. These things are so fast because with electric power, it's all the torque and it's all the time. And there's technology out there where you're doing one foot driving. You accelerate and when you let off the throttle, the brakes apply. It's it's absolutely amazing technology. And they're, anybody who's a gearhead will absolutely love them. They're so fast. For people who might be interested in checking it out, learning more, where would you steer those people? Well, you always want to go to the MauerAutoGroup.com website because you can pick whichever dealership you want to look at the inventory. You can go to all three of them. We've got the Mauer location down in Invergrove Heights for the Chevrolets. We've got the Mauer location in Invergrove Heights for the Buick GMCs. And then we've got the Mauer location up in Anoka. So we've got you covered wherever you want to go. But if you go to the website, you can take a peek at what they all are. Give one a shot. The leases on them are fabulous because the values on the trade-ins are wonderful. So when you have a great trade-in value, you have a wonderful lease. So there's really good leasing programs out there right now. There's really good purchasing programs out there right now. They actually lowered the MSRPs this year. So it's it's just a, it's a really good time. And everybody in the whole entire nation is supporting the new push towards electric vehicles. And as is the Mauer Auto Group. MauerAutoGroup.com is the website where you can go to learn more about the Chevy Bolt or any car that they're moving at the Mauer Auto Group. Um, Jeremy, it's uh, wonderful catching up with you this week. Uh, have a great week and we'll talk to you on down the line. All right. Thank you so much. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore, and we are sitting down now with a man who's going to be very busy uh, in the not too distant future if he's not already overwhelmed. He is Matt Gangle. He's the lead director of MLB on Fox and the lead director for Twins Games on Valley Sports North. Matt, thanks for joining us here on Twins Today. Thanks for having me, Derek. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you, and especially right now when the Field of Dreams game is coming up on Fox. I understand you were uh, you were tapped on the shoulder for that as part of your duties. Let's just start there. For listeners who don't know about the Field of Dreams game, what is going into that as we prep for it this week, Thursday, August 12th? Well, for those familiar with the movie, uh, you know, set in Dyersville, Iowa, where uh, Ray Kinsella builds a baseball field in hopes of bringing shoeless Joe Jackson and some uh, past (laughs) baseball players back to life, so to speak. Um, They have that movie set, it's still there, you know, big tourist attraction in Dyersville. Um, Two years ago, baseball and Fox came in a collaborative effort to decide to do a game in that location. The movie set field is too small, uh, you know, not regulation size to be able to hold a major league baseball game. So down the uh, left field line beyond about 600 feet, they put in a full baseball field right in the cornfield. Uh, this p- project was going to be done last year. And with COVID, everything uh, got postponed to this year. So on Thursday, uh, the 12th of August coming up, 
we will be hosting the uh, Yankees and White Sox from a baseball field that is set in the middle of a cornfield in Dyersville, Iowa. As a, to quote a different movie, how can you not be romantic about baseball? <laughs> As I look at this, Matt, it's got some marketing hype behind it. Of course, really cool deal that uh, Major League Baseball is putting on. And of course, that the White Sox and Yankees are involved in. I read somewhere that there are, they're putting up stands and selling tickets, inviting people in, but that it's only about 8,000 seats, give or take. So this really strikes me as a, as a made for TV event. Am I, am I, from a TV director's perspective, am I reading that correctly? Uh, you actually hit the nail right on the head. It's uh, what we've been talking about at Fox since the project came to fruition. It is a made for TV event. Hmm. You know, you, when else can you, you know, set a baseball game in such a unique location? You know, 8,000 is the number. You know, very intimate, you know, uh, lottery system on a lot of the tickets. You know, so very exclusive to be able to be able to get in. Um, and then it's not just, you know, a game. Granted, it's a baseball game. And this is one of 162 that count, you know, for both of these teams. But this game is about the setting. It's about where we are, you know, the uniqueness of that environment, you know, where else are you going to go out and the outfielder is going back to the outfield wall and he hits the fence and the fence is chain link and you have, you know, 12 foot corn right behind the fence. <laughs> you know, these kind of things don't happen on an everyday basis, you know, so it, it's going to be a really special, you know, a really special night. Uh, come Thursday. Yeah. And it's been fun to see the lead up to it and fans who, who want more information can certainly find that online. That's MLB.com is a good place to go for that. Um, so the game taking place between the White Sox and Yankees this Thursday, August 12th at a field, the field of dreams in Dyersville, Iowa, uh, broadcasting challenge, I assume, but maybe a fun challenge for you, Matt, Matt, as, as you've gone uh, and prepared for this, which I, no doubt a lot of legwork going into it share with me if you would and, and with listeners with twins fans what was the moment like for you when you first laid eyes on where this project was going to take place oh that's a, a an easy one for me I, I the first time i went down was last summer i uh, made the drive from minnesota so the, you know four and a half five hours you know on the gps i can see i'm coming up i'm getting close but you know i'm i'm weaving through winding roads farm fields and then finally kind of come around a corner and i can see the light stanchions just in the horizon you know in the distance you know and i literally got chills you know goosebumps you know i i like to say i was making that up but it was a true reaction you know this i don't know I really love the movie. I, I'm incredibly passionate about baseball and just seeing that and then driving in and, you know, out of nowhere, you have this environment that is a baseball, you know, in this case, two baseball stadiums. You know, it was really, really incredible. It's, it's been a, a work of, you know, love, passion leading into it. I, uh, I've watched the movie countless times, you know, trying to find little nuances, moments that we can take from the movie and try to, you know, bring within the film, or excuse me, bring within the game. And from a technical standpoint, incredibly challenging. You know, when we go to a major league baseball stadium, there's infrastructure already in place to broadcast a game. 
uh, in a cornfield in Iowa, there is no infrastructure. Um, you know, <laughs> thousands, of, you know, it's just going to be miles and miles of cable run out, you know, to be able to get to all of the positions that we need to get to. You know, so it's a, it's a really a credit to our uh, operations team and all our technical staff of how we can make this happen. The voice you're listening to, Twins fans, is Matt Gangle. He's the lead director of MLB on Fox. He'll be tasked with directing the Field of Dreams game this upcoming Thursday, August 12th. He's also lead director for Twins games on Valley Sports North. And, and Matt, it's fun to talk to you about all of this kind of stuff. I'd love to tie it into the Twins stuff for Twins fans, if we could as well. You just mentioned the miles of cable and things that are going to be a technical challenge from your perspective as a director and, and from your team's perspective. I know you've got a, a, a robust team helping out with that. But it's not every day we get to talk with the TV director of Twins Games on Twins Today. So I'm curious, just take us through, Twins fans, if you would, how this game differs from broadcasting just your everyday Twins game, one of 162. I know you mentioned earlier, although I know this one's going to be a little bit different. I'd say the the big difference is, is setting. You know, when you go into as I was speaking earlier to, you know, doing a game in a cornfield, the cornfield's part of the story. Uh, in a major league baseball stadium, you know, the stadium is part of a story. There are unique nuances at target field, you know, in right field where the right field porch kind of overhangs the field a little bit. Uh, and when you go to, you know, San Francisco when a ball could be hit out into McCovey Cove, you know, every ballpark has its, you know, nuance and that's part of the storytelling. Um, in a normal Twins game, you know, we're going to follow what's going on on the field. Our job is to be able to bring the storylines of the game as they develop, you know, home to the viewer and find ways that we can enhance those storylines. The same thing will take place with the Field of Dreams game, but in the back of my mind always is going to be resetting, bigger, cinematic. How can I make it more about the in total environment um, than just about what the game is on the field while also giving respect to the game on the field because it does matter. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a fine balance um, that I would say you know, will be taking place for the game on Thursday. Yeah, it's fascinating. You, you mentioned that because like, I, I like baseball. I like, I like the storylines, no doubt, but I'm also, you know, pretty uh, acutely invested in the action that's taking place on the field. So I love it when that balance can be struck and I heard that you recently took over the World Series broadcasts for Fox. And that to me is a similar sort of deal. You know, it's not at a cornfield, so it's different. But the story element, because I don't watch those teams play every single day. So I don't know the stories as well as I know all the twin stories. Um, is there an element of that in World Series coverage or, or other specialty type games where you're, you're trying to strike this balance of, Yep, we need to see the pitch and we need to know the count and the the, the time in the game. But I also kind of want to know the broader picture as we reach the national stage. There's no question, you know, that, uh, you know, doing a Twins game, your main viewer is more invested in that team. You know, there are less things you have to, you know, bring home storyline wise all the time on your own team, you know, because they are more familiar. Anytime you're doing a national broadcast, you're reaching a greater audience. Some of the things that you may think are, you know, common, you know, 
understand, you know, common understandings, you know, about a certain player or a certain situation, uh, something that happened, you know, earlier in the week, um, maybe aren't, you know, you have to be a little more broad in covering those kind of storylines. And in games like, you know, when you get into the World Series, it's not only about, you know, the game itself, but it's about the history, you know, and not only the history between those teams, but the history of the game. You know, when was the last time this happened in a World Series? When was the last time, you know, um, a game went as long as it did you know, yeah. as someone who has done the longest game in World Series history? <laughs> um, you know, so all those factors come into play. So your base has just got to be a little more broad, knowing that your audience, you know, for an event like that, it's, it's like the Olympics now, you know. People tune in because it's the Olympics. People tune in because it's the World Series. You have, you know, people that are watching who maybe don't watch a ton of baseball throughout the regular season, but tune in when it's on its biggest, its biggest stage. So I think that is something we always have to have in the back of our mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really fascinating insight uh, from the director's chair. Um, mentioned the World Series. I started that in 2017, if I'm not mistaken, uh, doing yep. those games for Fox. You've also done some all-star games. I, I'm sure you've done a lot of cool broadcasts in your in your career, Matt. And Thursday, we'll add one with the Field of Dreams game between the Cubs and the Yankees in Dyersville, Iowa. I guess if you are... I don't want to ask you to place this game before you've done it. So I will uh, reserve asking you that question until you've gone through the experience and lived it. But do you have a, uh, a most memorable broadcast that you've directed in your career? Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a tough question because there's a lot of memorable broadcasts and at a lot of different levels, you know, as far as my career has gone, you know, you know, when you get to directing your first World Series game, you know, that stands out. I still remember walking out of the truck after game seven, completing my first World Series in 2017 and literally just taking a deep breath and kind of soaking it all in like that just happened. You know, you know so that whole series is definitely, uh, you know, has a special place for me. You know, we did game uh, in London a couple years ago. Uh, with the Yankees and the Red Sox, you know, in a soccer stadium. So again, a unique venue, unique location, you know, an incredible opportunity. Um, we did a game in Puerto Rico with the uh, the Twins and the Indians on FS1 uh, a few years ago too. Again, unique opportunity uh, in a country that had just, you know, gone through a lot. And, you know, there's there's a lot of those kind of moments that you just consider yourself very lucky to be a part of. And this one definitely is going to be high on that list uh, once we get through it. And then there's things, you know, I have done here in Minnesota, you know, whether it's, you know, covering the twins, which is a team I grew up uh, loving and watching, you know, living and dying through the 87 and 91 world series and all those moments. So, you know, that's been incredibly special for me as well. And then, you know, we get to do, Hockey Day Minnesota every year and get to go across the state and cover games from, you know, you know, hockey games on a lake to uh, hockey games on a tarmac at the airport in St. Paul to all over the board. You know, so those are really special moments, too, because it brings you into these communities who are very invested in, you know, this event that they're hosting. 
and you get to know a lot of people there and you just see the passion that they have for the sport. you know, whether it's hockey in that case, or, you know, even when we we're in London doing baseball, there was a passion for that in the coming there, you know, and the appreciation that you're there to cover this event. So those are the things that probably stand out the most for me. There's a lot on the list and I hope Matt, that you get to add one on Thursday listeners. If you're curious, the field of dreams game Thursday, August 12th, white Sox and Yankees from Dyersville, Iowa cornfield right out by the, the well now tourist site, uh, site of the movie field of dreams. Matt Gangle has been our guest and, uh, Matt super fun getting to chat with you on some of this stuff. Thanks for taking the time and good luck on Thursday. Well, thank you very much. I, I hope everybody tunes in to watch. It's going to be an event like none other that we've done. And then it is going to be the, uh, the one of the highlights of the summer for myself. And I, I hope people at home enjoy it. That's awesome. MLB on Fox this Thursday, Field of Dreams game. That is the voice of Matt Gangle. He's the lead director for MLB on Fox. He'll be doing that game. He's also lead director of the Twins games on Valley Sports North. So we thank Matt for his time. And when we come back, there is more Twins baseball to round out the show on Twins Today. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. Welcome back to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group more than cars. I'm your host, Derek Wetmore. I am sitting at Target Field, and uh, the grounds crew is already getting ready for the homestand coming up at the Twins finish up today in Houston, the fourth of a four-game set. Twins looking to win a series in Texas. Joining us now on the phone on Twins Today, he covers the Minnesota Twins for The Athletic. Theathletic.com is where you can subscribe there. He is none other than Dan Hayes. Dan, we appreciate your time here on Twins Today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Derek. Hey, uh, it's it's great to catch up with you. I haven't had enough conversations with you this year, Dan. Hope to change that soon. And uh, I didn't prepare you for this one. I sent you a quick note, but I see that Andre Igudala is back with the Golden State Warriors. So congratulations. Yeah, it's been it's been a huge week. It's been a good week for the off season because they looked like they're going young, and all of a sudden they got some veterans in. They they they've changed it up on me, and I'm 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 pleased. <laughs> Big Golden State Warriors fan, big 49ers fan, but don't worry, Twins fans, I don't hold any of that against him. Um, Dan, we're going to get into some topics, including Byron Buxton and a great piece that you just wrote for The Athletic on George Samus, longtime uh, Saints manager and former twin. But first, got to clear the air here. I see on Twitter there's a rumor leaking out that you were on the Twins' Zooms today while in your car and Luisa Rives was making fun of you. He says, no sleeping, bro. You're driving. Can you uh, just quickly confirm for uh, Twins fans that you were indeed being safe? I, I am being safe. I am keeping one hand on the wheel. I, I'm braking for all animals. Um, I'm, I'm doing a good job. So. <laughs> Oh, man, I did not mean to put you on the spot like that, but as soon as I saw it come across Twitter, I thought, great, I get to talk to Dan Hayes next. I'm going to bring this up. So uh, appreciate you being a good sport there, my friend. Um, I want to – this is topic 1A because the Twins uh, didn't quite – uh, fully tear it down at the trade deadline, but certainly took an intentional step backwards in terms of 2021 talent. So much of this conversation, Dan, as you well know, centers on on Byron Buxton, the super talented and often unavailable 
center fielder for the Twins, you were leading the leading the charge um, with Ken Rosenthal on a lot of that Buxton reporting. Can you share with Twins fans, just you know, from your perspective as having thoroughly reported that story as you did, where that situation stands between Byron Buxton and the Twins, not just for the rest of 21, but I'm talking for the long term and as you reported about contract extension talks. Yeah, it's got to be a little strange right now just because, I mean, honestly, at 2 o'clock on the day of the deadline on Friday, I actually would have thought he was gone. Um, things were heating up. They didn't get what they wanted. They they were pushing for a lot, and obviously with a player of that caliber, you want to get everything you can. Um, but I thought that that was going to happen. It sounded like there was enough interest materializing. But in the end, the same things that really – made it difficult to come to a contract extension with them, um, figuring out the proper value for a guy that who is dynamic when he's on the field, but uh, it's, it's probably about 37% of the games played since 2018 at this point. Uh, when you've only played that much, how do you value that dynamic play on the field? It's a really difficult situation, whether you're trying to trade him, whether you're trying to sign him. And I, I, I think what happened is I, I, I'm pretty sure both sides would have preferred none of this got out as far as the extensions. Um, I, I think it avoided being messy, but it's still definitely a little bit awkward knowing that, hey, we couldn't get you, uh, and then and they were definitely taking offers on him uh, up until the, the last minute of the deadline, but they just didn't find anything to their liking. And, and so they're here together, and look, the, the, the great part is, is that you have a player who is – um, as professional as they come, and honestly, one of the, my favorite guys I've, I've covered. Um, just hard worker, cares probably too much about the team, which is, you know, you, you, you see how much he gives to get back, and it's, it's impressive. Like, I, you, you just wonder about a person's will if they can keep taking this, and he keeps rolling with the punches and, and comes back every time stronger than before, and you know, just to have a, a, another defeat with an injury, it's got to be a really tricky cycle uh, psychologically to handle. And and he yet he keeps fighting through it. And that's, you know, it's one of the things I think it's why the Twins want to keep him. It's why he wants to be here. I, I think it's, it's a great fit. And the two sides kept working and working towards this, but they couldn't come to a, an agreement. And so now you have to wonder what does it mean going forward because he still will have value with a year left before free agency next year, it's just not going to be the same kind of value trade-wise as it would have been before the deadline. Um, and then the Twins got to figure out where they're going and whether or not he fits in that plan. And I, I have a feeling that they will take another crack at negotiations, but uh, again, it's it's so tricky. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The voice you're hearing, Twins fans, he's Dan Hayes, covers the Twins for The Athletic, does a great job there. If you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, Dot com or follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Hayes MLB. So Dan, you were talking there about the challenge psychologically for Buxton specifically. I remember, boy, three four years ago, I was talking to somebody with the Twins organization and had said 
not only were his tools off the charts when we drafted him in 2012 out of rural Georgia, we really liked the skill set everybody did, but they had tested him psychologically or had their at least their evaluation of how he would handle adversity as he sort of climbed the ranks, said off the yeah. charts there too. I, I don't think anybody expected this level of being tested in that regard, um, but certainly Buxton's going through that now, and you touched, touched on sort of the awkward is a great word for it, the dynamic around the trade deadline. Derek Falvey came on with the media shortly after the deadline had passed and said nothing, quote, cleared the bar for Buxton in terms of, of offers from other teams. Do you have any insight on that, Dan, that you can share with us uh, that w- what the Twins would be looking for, presumably some major league talent and minor league talent, I suppose? I would think that they would want a first piece similar to what they got Maybe not in the Jose Barrios trade um, because they did so well in that trade. Um, but I would think they would definitely want somewhere in the range of a third, top 30 to between 30 and 100 on the, the first player as far as their prospect ranking, mm-hmm. and and then more, uh, you know, more prospects. I know that there were certain teams that uh, really wanted him and pushed hard. Um, one is definitely an NL East contender and. Uh, they wanted him badly, but they just didn't have enough of a farm system whatsoever to get him. And and I, I think that had they had a farm system, Byron Buxton would probably be residing in the uh, city of brotherly love right now. But um, you know, it, it is a uh, it's been a, a weird spot. And and what you said about the the uh, mental side off the charts, we've seen that over and over. I just the, the it's so crazy to see everything that has happened to him. And a lot of, the last couple of them have been through really no fault of his own, getting yeah. hit with the pitch, you know, um, especially the concussion last year. He, he's continually had to deal with these significant challenges, and he comes back every time stronger than ever. I mean, you look at what he did just coming back in that Texas series in June, um, off the hip, you know, first major leg injury for him. I know he had a broken toe, but that was a foul ball. Uh, the hip, clearly something that's a scary injury for a guy who is, so fast and and part of the game is predicated on that for him and um he just looked amazing in that texas series and of course gets hit with the pitch on the the first home game back and suffers a broken pinky and uh has not you know working now towards gripping the bat and getting back and it wouldn't shock me to see him go on a rehab soon uh we haven't asked specifically on him for a few days but he was getting back to bat gripping um probably at the start of the week here and and getting into swinging the bat. and So that doesn't seem to me like it would be too long before he goes on a rehab. But, um, you know, he'll have another uh, month and a half to, to finish out the season and uh, show him what he can do. And if it's anything like what we've seen so far, uh, it's been pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, you're not kidding. Um, so fascinating insight there from Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins for the Athletic. And if Buxton does go on a rehab, Dan, uh, this is a radio professional segue for you. He would likely do that in St. Paul with the Saints. And you, my friend, just wrote a great piece on former twin and longtime Saints manager, uh, no longer with the organization, George Samus. Um, first of all, bravo on the piece. And can you give Twins fans, listeners, the crux of sort of that situation there that uh, really, I mean, through no fault of his own, no longer managing the Saints now that they're the Twins' AAA affiliate this year. Yeah, it, it, it was the one thing that was probably bad because we think about the, the Twins having the St. Paul uh, franchise as part of their organization and how easy it's made it for travel, 
how nice it is for Twins fans to be able to see, you know, right now Drew Strotman's there from the Nelson Cruz trade, and, and Joe Ryan will be there soon, just getting uh, done with the uh, the silver medal in the Olympics. Um, we'll, we'll be able to see those guys in person up close, and, and that's a really great advantage. People have been able to see Brent Rooker all year. If a guy goes on a rehab assignment, they have to go just across town. There's so many great things about the Twins being in St. Paul, no longer having to take the Rochester 6.30 flight or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah talking to Tyler Duffy over the years about that flight, the back and forth, pretty miserable for AAA relievers when they're uh, in New York and had to fly. It's the, the downside of being called up the 6.30 a.m. flight and not getting a hotel room when they get checked in. Um, so there's a lot of great parts, but the, the negative part is that this local legend, George Samus, uh, was out because teams always have in mind their guys. And Toby Gardenhire is a great fit. He's perfect to kind of follow along the Royce Lewis, Alex Kirilov. You know, the group that was supposed to be there from the start of the year that spent most of the year in the majors yeah. uh, because of injuries. But Toby Gardenhire's worked with all those guys forever, and, and that's the Twins guy. And, you know, the, the Twins don't know George Samus. I know he played for him, you know, 28 years ago, but it's it's a different organization's guy and you organizations always want their own guys so you know he he unfortunately gets the the boot because it, it's a it's not the twins organization and now it, it st paul as much as they would go to bat for him the teams don't have say on the the coaching staffs it's it's all the minor league coaches from everywhere and the twins have a great staff over there between toby between mike mccarthy between matt borg schulte the hitting coach there's there are their guys there, and their their development system is in place, and that is so critical to everything. And so, unfortunately, George gets uh, thrown out. And the the good part is he has landed in a nice spot uh, in Kane County, um, just outside of Chicago. Kane County also got the boot from the minor leagues. Uh, they were an affiliated team for 30 years, and one of the 22 teams that got. Um, reduced from the minor league system as part of the reorganization this year. And, yeah. um, he's there and feeling his way out. and It's a really cool story. It's a good spot for him. It, they're very fortunate to have him uh, just be available. Um, but it's new in the process, and so they're kind of feeling each other out. Twins fans want to catch that piece. It's at theathletic.com. Dan Hayes wrote it. It's after a crushing departure ex-St. Paul Saints legend. George Samus is finding his way with the Kane County Cougars. You can uh, Google any of those words I just said, and it will probably take you to Dan's great piece on that. Uh, just uh, about a minute left here, Dan, so I'll ask you quickly because you are a, a man with some unparalleled insight on the beat of the Minnesota Twins, only a small handful of you following it as closely day-to-day. Their contention, even after the trade deadline where they gave away two of their best players, and it might have been three if Taylor Rogers hadn't gotten hurt, they continue to say, we'd like to contend in 2022, and that's our plan with this core. What do you think about that contention that they plan to be in contention? Um, I, I would think that it would take some more reorganization. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some more deals in the offseason. There are still some really intriguing pieces, um, and I think that you know you look at the Kirilov and, and Larnick group and Royce Lewis and uh, Austin Martin now and uh, the new pitchers, you look at that group and you think it's probably two years away. I think they're they're going to be still an interesting team next year, and, and they're going to have to figure out how to do the pitching. 
Um, I, they're going to need some young guys to really step up and fill in uh, immediately for them to contend next year. I'm not saying that can't happen because there's certainly talented, interesting arms here. Uh, you look at Bailey Ober, and, and he's a guy that probably gets, uh, because it's been such a disappointing year, overlooked. But he's an interesting guy. And, and like you look at the successes he has had because there have been some successes out there. If he can develop, if, if some of these younger guys that they have coming along can develop, of course they can get in. But it's such a, a tall order. I think, realistically, it's more going to be something for the year after. I think 2022 is – or uh, 2023 is more the, the time that's going to be. But at the same time, you know, you look at the position group, they're going to be interesting. I mean, the fact that they have taken two out of three in Houston shows that the team has got a, a, a pulse. It's not like they're – for as much as trading as they've done, they're not dead on arrival at this point, which is a good thing. But, you know, it's going to have to be reorganized, and there's a lot of work to do. Yeah, and on the pitching side especially, I, I look at the deep free agent class, and I wonder, hey, could they go get some of those guys? But the, the flip side of that is, well, then they had that guy, and they traded him away to the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? I Look, I actually – I, I, being close to the situation, there was no way they were going to be able to sign him to an extension. And I, I love Jose Barrios. I think he should be here. You would have had to have waited till he goes to free agency, and then you would have to go out there and win a bidding war on the open market. Yeah. And we've seen what they've done with Josh Donaldson's contract. It, it's hampered them a little bit. If Josh Donaldson's on the books, I don't know how they can afford Jose Barrios. If Jose Barrios is there... Look, it, it's just really complicated, and, and I don't know if you can put 20-something million into a pitcher um, with the way the budget is. You know, Whether or not there should be more budget, that's a different discussion. But uh, it, it's really complicated to put a $25 million guy out there, and I don't know that the Twins want to do that with Jose Barrios or take a shot at more young pitching, which it sucks for Twins fans to see their developed pitching walk away, but uh, the writing was on the wall that Jose Barrios was not going to be here after the end of next season, and the Twins did really well in getting the talent back that they did. Dan Hayes, excellent work as always. I encourage listeners to go check out that piece at theathletic.com, or you can follow Dan on Twitter at MLB. Dan, uh, great catching up with you. Thank you for uh, the flexibility and for taking some time today. Yeah, no problem. And hey, look, as a plus, I didn't get in a car accident. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, hey, I'm happy, and I will uh, tell Louisa Rise as well. All right. Thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. Good. I shouldn't tweet while driving. <laughs> Good talking to you, Dan. See ya. That's Dan Hayes. He covers the Twins for The Athletic. Go subscribe there if you haven't already. Fun show today. Loaded show today. We caught up with Jessica Mendoza on her Tokyo experience and the scouting report on new Twins minor leaguer Joe Ryan. Also, just a great chat earlier today with Austin Martin, the new Twins prospect who came back in the Jose Barrios trade. Just a fun guy to talk to and get to meet him. So if you have, if you didn't miss any of that, go ahead, catch the podcast, twinsbaseball.com slash podcasts. Coming up next, Dave St. Peter joins Corey Provis for Inside Twins. I'm Derek Wetmore signing off at Target Field to hand the baton to Corey. Talk to you next week on Twins Today. You're listening to News Talk 830 WCCO. You have been listening to Twins Today, driven by the Mauer Auto Group, more than cars. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.